Thank you, uh, Hillcrest, for, I, I have preached here, it was July 6th, and uh, I got everything that I wanted to get out because I thought that would be the last time I would get the opportunity. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, he was talking about that miracle that could happen tonight. I pray that as a lost soul coming to the knowledge and truth of Jesus Christ as their Savior, um, that is why I'm up here. Uh, I am a little bit nervous, I will admit to you. Uh, I am uh, very I'm still new to this. You could, you could actually call me a rookie if you wanted to. But uh, I think a little bit of healthy uh, nervousness is good because I would hate to come up here and be overconfident because we see what, uh, what happened to Hillary when she did that. Uh, all that got her was a phone call to Trump saying, I concede. So um, I'm not going to preach on politics. So don't even worry about it. Uh, but I would hate to get up here and, and be overconfident and have to, have to tell the devil that I can see because I was too confident in my flesh. Um, if you would, please turn your Bibles to John chapter 14. That's where I will be out of. We're going to start in uh, verse 15. Um, I want to say something. If, if you're here and you have not been here before, welcome. Uh, but there's two things that I feed on when I preach. And these two things are very important. Uh, the number one thing is the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I'm up here, just a, just a piece of flesh that can do nothing but talk. And when I talk, no one listens because the Holy Spirit is what entices, uh, entices the hearts of those that are listening to God's word. Amen. The second thing are some good old-fashioned amen and hallelujahs. I love some good old-fashioned amens and hallelujahs. I've been to many churches to where number one was the only thing I had. So I'm, I'm, I'm very refreshed to be in my home church because uh, I love y'all, and I'm so, I'm so thankful to the, for this opportunity. Uh, but okay, let's get going. I have a question tonight. Um, it's a very simple question, but before you, wa- before you answer this question, I want you to really think about the answer to this question. And here's the question. Do you love God? Do you love God? Now, see, I believe that the answer is quite clear for most of the people in here, because if you did not love God, why would you be here on a Wednesday night? But see, can I tell you that you can still love God and you can still not necessarily love God and come on Wednesday night just for the fellowship, just for the whatever you come for. But can I let me ask you, do you love God? If you would look at verse 15, uh, I'm going to start reading. If ye love me, keep my commandments. If ye love me, keep my commandments. Again, I believe everyone here loves God, but how many have trouble keeping God's commandments? Ooh. I can't say I don't. And I love God. I'm a, I'm a born-again believer. I'm the only person in here that I know is going to heaven. See, you know, but see, I still have trouble keeping his commandments. See, we have a sin nature. And I preached this once before in a a Sunday night, and I can blame I can blame someone for my sin nature. And he's sitting right here. My daddy. See, Terry Lanham. Passed his sin nature on to me. And his daddy passed it on to him. And his daddy's daddy passed it on to him. All the way back to Adam. Amen? So see, God knows that. See, our sin nature makes us incapable in ourselves, by ourselves, to keep God's commandments. So what now? 
Thanks be unto God that we have a Savior who knows that we are incapable. And he knows that we will have trouble by ourselves. We know that we, we cannot do it by ourselves. But see, he, he's, he's, he makes a way. Of all the times Christians have needed help, it is today. It seems like Satan, his demonic army, is, is pushing everything they got. It's pushing everything they got to make us fall, to make us give up, to make us, uh, to make us give up on, on the doctrine and give up on the beliefs that we've had. Amen. Why is that? It may be that the time is nearing. And I'm not going to preach on that tonight, but it may be that the time is nearing. <laughs> See, Tonight, as gloomy as that sounds, that we are incapable of keeping God's commandments, I want to, I'm here to tell you that we are not alone. If you would look at verse 16, I'm going to start in 15. If ye love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. What word stands out there? See, for me, the word comforter stands out for me. Comforter. See, he says that he's going to send us another comforter. When, when, when comfort comes to your mind, what do you think of? When someone says, I'm going I'm to comfort you, what do you think of? See, what, first thing I thought about before I, before I studied it and, and dug deep into this scripture, I thought about, oh, everything's going to be okay. You're fine. You're good. Let me comfort you. You know, that's the comfort that I've talked about. But see, the bi- biblical comfort is so, so different than what we think comfort is. Tonight I've titled my message, Comfort in Uncomfortable Times. Comfort in Uncomfortable Times. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you for this opportunity that I have to come into this pulpit, God, and proclaim your word. God, I pray, God, that you give me a double portion of your spirit. God, I pray that you give me a double portion, God. Just like Brother Glenn preached, I want what Elijah had and Elisha wanted. So, Father God, I pray that as the, as the word is open, I pray that I see the word, God. And as the word is proclaimed, I pray that ears are opened and hearts are open to the truth of your book. Father God, I pray in the name of Jesus that every single demon, every single evil, uh, evil spirit, every single hindrance, distraction, God, for this next few minutes, God, is bound up and cast away in Jesus' name, Lord. Let your spirit roam, Father. Touch hearts, God. And we'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you haven't, uh, I have three details of the comforter that I want us to see tonight. And for you note takers, I hope this is very easy to take notes to. But number one, I want you to see the purpose of the comforter. The purpose of the comforter. If you haven't already put two and two together, the comforter refers to the Holy Spirit. If you, would go to, uh, if you go to verse 26 of the same chapter of John 14, but the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Let me give you some background on what's, on what's going on here. See, Jesus' time was nearing for, his, for him to ascend. Jesus was close to going to uh, Calvary's tree. So he's the, I'm thirsty. Can I get a drink? My goodness. All right. Jesus' time was nearing. See, he knew that for the disciples to keep, keep on keeping on what he, what he had started with them, they would need help. Yeah. 
because they got the same sin nature that we got. So in other words, by themselves, they were incapable of keeping God's commandments. So that's what he said, I will send you a comforter. So what does a comforter do? That's what we're talking about, the purpose of the, comfort, of the comforter. The Greek word translated comforter is parakletos. Parakletos, what does that mean, Jake? I, I, I missed that class. Yeah, me too. See, parakletos means alongside to assist. Well, that should just bless your socks off right there. Alongside to assist. Its purpose is not to work instead of us, but through us and in us. See, without the Holy Spirit working through me, I'm nothing but a fancy-looking pile of flesh up here in vain. But see, once I pray for that double portion, and once I receive that Spirit within me, a refreshing of it, because see, I'm, I'm born again, so I got the Spirit when I, when I became born again, but see, I want more. Amen? I want more, especially when I'm up at Hillcrest Baptist Church preaching in Brother Glenn's pulpit, you know. So anyway, I, I want more. So, so that's what, that's what this, it does not work instead of us, but through us and in us. See, that's what reminded me. When I thought about this, it reminded me of those pictures. I don't know if you've ever seen one. I, I'm sure you have. But it's, it's one person walking in the sand. And see, what happens when you walk in the sand? Footprints. But see, this, have you ever seen a picture to where there's a, Two sets of footprints, but only one person. See, that's what I think about when I think of this Greek word, parakletos, alongside to assist. That means the Holy Spirit is alongside of us everywhere we go to assist us. Amen. The English word comfort comes from two Latin words, meaning with strength. So let's put these two translations together. And maybe it will change your viewpoint on what, a com- on what comfort is. Biblical comfort is. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, is here alongside to assist with strength. We can stand. We can unite. And we can still make an impact. But see, we can't do that all weak and feeble-minded. Because we don't have a weak and feeble-minded God. That's why I cannot stand uh, what you call sissy preachers. Brother Jerry, can you stand sissy preachers? I can't stand them. Like Joel Osteen. Look, I I have a confession. Joel Osteen always gets talked about. But for a long time, I've never heard Joel Osteen preach. So I just, I take what I hear. And I was like, yeah. Someone said, because you, Joel, I said, oh yeah, he's terrible. But I never actually heard him. Well, I looked him up. <laughs> he lives up to his reputation. Listen, see, we're, the, the Spirit does not call us to pre- preach. Oh, if you would please turn your Bibles to John three sixteen. although that is an amazing, amazing scripture, very important to our salvation. And he says, and let's just read that real quick. Oh, and, and I just want you to know that God loves you. He loves, hold on, maybe I should... God loves you. He's going to pay your mortgage. He's going to pay your rent. See, God looks for those that want the goodness of God, and he gives it to them. Whatever you ask, you shall receive. See, you see what I'm saying? That's not with strength. There's no, there's no, there's no Jesus in that. Just because you say don't mean you're more. Listen, I'm a grown-up now, okay? <laughs> I'm a grown-up now. 
And I understand what it means to pay some bills, okay? And I love God. And he makes a way for me to pay those bills. But if I just sat down on my butt, those bills would not get paid. So don't give me that. Because it don't work. If it did, I'd be sitting down on my butt. I'm just kidding. I'm not lazy. But anyway, see, alongside to assist with strength. Are you following me? Amen. Amen. Now, see, there's another purpose. And this is where it kinda, you, gotta, you kinda gotta get with me right here. In verse 17, the Spirit's here because my Bible's flipped. In verse 17, it says, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, the Comforter is also the Spirit of truth. What does that mean? This world cannot see because the world has given into the lies. The spirit of truth urges you to the way of God. Let's break this down. And this is where I might lose you. If I lose you, say you lost me. And I'll re-break it down. I would love to be like Jeff LeBorg and just bam, 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 bam. And was like, yes, can I get saved? But it don't work for me that way. See, the Holy Spirit is related to Jesus. Who believes in the Trinity? Amen. Amen. You're at the right church. See, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy, Holy Spirit. All God, different jobs. If you didn't have the Father, you wouldn't have the Son. If you didn't have the Son, you wouldn't have the Spirit. If you didn't have the Spirit, you wouldn't have the Father. See what I'm saying? Let us make man in our image. I don't understand how people get confused about that, but our to me means more than one. Okay? Amen? Thank you. So the Holy Spirit is related to Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And he is the word of God, which in itself is complete truth. Who believes that this word of God is the infallible truth? Okay, thank you. The enemy, the devil, is what? The father of lies. The father of lies. So see, there are only two sides here. You either can follow and give in to the lies of the world, or you can follow the spirit of truth. And see, what happens when you get saved? What do you, what, the ABCs of becoming a Christian. Admit that you're a sinner, amen? Believe that Jesus is God's son, that he came, died on the cross, rose again on the third day, and has come back. See, that's the truth. So you got to accept the truth to accept Christ because Jesus is truth. So if you don't accept the truth, you can't accept Jesus because then you're not accepting the truth. Does that make sense? Do I have to re-break that down? I hope not, because I don't know if I can do it again. All right. So, either you accept the truth of Jesus and receive the Holy Spirit, or you accept the lies of the devil and you receive the payment of that. Important about the comforter, it's very important about the comforter being the spirit of truth. See, it urges you to Jesus. It urges you to salvation. It convicts you. When you right now, listen, whenever the word's opened, I, I, I pray that people get saved. Okay? Now, see... This is, this is not either, this is not more evangelical or more for the saints. This is just the word of God. See, I believe that no matter what you preach on, people can get saved. Okay? So right now, see, if you feel, if you feel convicted, that is the spirit of God urging you to accept the truth of Jesus Christ. Amen? I said no to it 18 years. How, how long are you going to say no to it? Or how long did you say no to it? 
So there's the purpose of the Spirit. Alongside to assist with strength, but also to urge us to the truth, right? Now, number two, let's look at the presence of the comforter. Continuing in verse 17 again. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. So where's the presence of the spirit? Oh, where's the presence of the spirit? I hope so. Listen. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Ephesians 1 13 says, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye hear the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. I'm going to put this in here. It's not in my notes. Sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. What does that mean? That means once you are saved, once you are born again, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You cannot lose your salvation. I don't, I don't understand how people can even believe that. Someone in my class, uh, I have a geology class in school, and I, I'm, people tell me, you get on rabbit trails, but it just happens. I have someone, he's a Greek Orthodox, okay? I don't know if any of you met a Greek Orthodox, but they are very smart sounding, okay? And see, I'm not very smart Sounding, but I, I know a little bit. So he was saying, well, uh, you, you, you Baptists just got it all wrong. I said, excuse me. Can we like, can I tell you my name first? Like, I mean, because we, we didn't even tell each other. I just, for some reason, religion came, religion, religion came up and he said, well, I'm a Greek Orthodox. And I said, okay, well, I'm a Southern Baptist. Like, what you, like, what, you want to fight or something? So anyway, so we're going. He says, see, you got the, the thing wrong. Saved is a continual process. You are not saved until you get to Jesus after you die. He says, I said, so what does that mean? Because I'm sitting here like, I'm like, what? So he goes, if you're telling me that if someone gets saved and then commits murder, that they're still saved. I said, whoa, whoa, hold on. I said, number one, number one, let's talk about the salvation that they got because See, obviously, there is an issue here. Because, I, look, I have trouble keeping my commandment, but I don't have trouble not murdering. I mean, like, listen. That's not, this is not something I struggle with. Boy. I, I, I hope none of you do. If you do, I guess I'll get Brother Steve to talk to you afterwards. But anyway, so, see, he said it's a continual process. So that means if you did that and you died right after you did that and did not repent of it, you're going to hell. I said, no, 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 bro, bro. I said, listen, I said, if you get saved, again, if you get saved and commit murder, let's, let's, let's go back to the root of the problem here. But if you get saved, see, I've gotten saved and I have still had trouble, what? Keeping God's commandments, but still I am what? Saved. So that means that no matter what I do, it is covered by the blood, Amen. Now, that is not a, a permit to, to, to sin. It's not a permit to sin. If you think that, then you also obviously have not accepted the correct truth. And I'll talk to you about that. If you struggle with murder, you can talk to him. <laughs> if, if, you, if you struggle with that, you can talk to me, okay? So anyway, so that, I don't know who needed to hear that, but someone needed to hear that. 
The moment that you get born again into the family of God through repentance of your sin, you in that moment receive the Holy Spirit. So what does the Holy Spirit say? Verse 17, it just tells you. It dwells in you and with you. It is alongside to assist with strength. It urges you to the truth and it dwells within you. Amen? So now we've looked at the purpose and the presence of the comforter. Now let's look at number three, the power of the comforter. See, this right here is my favorite part. I don't know if any other preacher has a favorite part of this sermon, but this is my favorite part. I tell you, when I was looking over this in my, in, in my study, uh, uh, it was Sunday. I was, in actually, I was actually in Josh Brown's office um, at Salem, and I was preaching there that night. I could, I could have told you that there were winds of the Spirit just flipping the pages because I was sitting there reading and just letting it just get all over me. And I'm telling you, it's about to get good. Are you ready? The power of the comforter. When you think of power of the spirit, you may think of those TV preachers who got the power of the spirit upon them. Well, they're all shaking and, and, and reviving whatever chickens. I've never seen it, but I believe. And they're all going crazy and stuff right there because they got the spirit. Yes, Lord, you know what I'm saying? They, they just, they, you know, they, it gets all over. See, that's not what I'm talking about. That's not, and you, you may also think of Acts 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 8, when it says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. See, I do believe we need power to witness to people. Amen. Just like I need power to preach. See, just because you're not called to preach doesn't mean you're called to reach. Okay? So in other words, the same power I need to preach, the same power you need to witness. Because that's what you're here for, to witness. I'm glad you understand. See, this is all true. But I want to take an, another, uh, uh, I guess, another, another viewpoint or another power that the comforter has. And it's, boys, I'm telling you, and girls, power over the law. Amen. Thank you, brother. I guess me and you get it. Power over the law. <laughs> See, we agree that the Holy Spirit is related to Jesus, and through Jesus worked miracles on this earth. Because, you know, Jesus was 100% what? Man and 100% what? God. So in other words, he needed the Holy Spirit to do miracles. Amen? Okay. So what does that mean? That means that the Holy Spirit was alongside to assist Jesus with strength to keep his commandments. I cannot fathom that, how God can be with God, but it's true. See, look, Matthew 15, if you would please turn to Matthew 5, verse 17 through 18. This is what it says. Uh, my wife said, I, I go too fast for you, I'm sorry. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, I'm going to start. Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Now, what does that mean to you? See, what that told me is that Jesus was here to fulfill the law because we could not keep his commandments. Because, see, God cannot look upon sin and not punish sin. 
So in other words, I know you've heard this, but I'm going to say it again. In other words, Jesus had to come, be perfect, so he could be the sacrificial lamb. Because that's the only sacrifice that God was going to take. And thank you, Jesus, that he did that, because guess where I get to go now? Heaven. And if you know him, guess where you get to go? Amen. Heaven. Thank you. See, remember that word uh, parakaleptos, the Greek word for comforter? See, I've learned that in Greek, one word can mean a lot of different things. So let's, let's look at Just remember that in your mind. I'm going to turn to uh, 1 John chapter 2, okay? Stay with me, please. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, these things write I unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Guess which word is the translated for parakletos? Advocate. This is where the spell happened. See, look. Oh, my goodness. Advocate literally means one summoned alongside a helper or patron in a lawsuit. That just makes me want to just... See, a lo- this term is only used by John and it's translated as comforter, like I've already said. See, here's, here, folks, is where it gets good. If you would please turn, if you haven't had your devotion today, you're getting it, to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. I'm going to go ahead and start. So I returned and considered all the oppressions that are done under the sun. And behold, the tears of such as were oppressed, and they had no comforter. And on the side of their oppressors, there was power, but they had no comforter. See, what's going on here is King Solomon is kind of analyzing the court system in Jerusalem. And what he's, what he's figured out is, see, the victims wept, but their tears were useless. There was no one to stand for them to comfort or assist them. The power over the law was in the oppressor's hands. They had no hope. Very, very important. See, what... They were innocent, but their oppressors had the power. See, that spoke to me. Here on earth, the power may seem to be in the hands of our oppressors. The power may seem to be in the hands of our school systems. The power may seem to be in the hands of our government. The power may seem to be in the hands of whoever you think the power is in the hands of. But see, that's not right. See, if you put your hope See, that's, that's, what, that's one good thing about being a, a born-again believer. I have hope, a blessed hope, okay? And it's not a hope that it's going to happen. I have hope because it's going to happen, okay? So look, if you put your hope in the government, in Trump or Hillary, Trump, or any part of the government, or anywhere but Jesus, it's like this lady, uh, I was mowing her yard, right? And I'm in lawn care. I've told you that before last time I preached. And guess what there's not a lot of these days? Lawn care. So I'm, I'm mowing this lady's yard, and she comes out, and it's, it's, a, it's a, you know, just a very old lady. And she comes out, and she's, she says, uh, I sure do hope that the grass uh, stays alive. I want it so bad. I say, yes, ma'am. I, I want it so bad to say, ma'am, the grass is already dead. <laughs> it's not going to be back till spring. I honestly don't know why I'm here, but thank you for the check. Anyway, so 
But see, that's like putting your hope in this world. See, this world, I believe that a nation, whether the God's people can or not, I believe a nation can cross a line. And see, I believe once you cross that line, judgment comes. Now, see, that means to me that this nation spiritually is dead. Okay? And until spring, it's not going to come back. And guess what spring is? The second coming of my Lord Jesus Christ. The grass is dead. (laughs) But see, I have hope in Jesus. Just like those people went to court, but they had no comforter, but they were innocent. See, one day, this is where it gets good, guys. One day I'm going to stand before a judge. And the only difference between me and those that we talked about in Ecclesiastes is I'm guilty. I've sinned against God. See, I've lied. I've stealed. I've cheated. I've done all those things. Because see, if you commit one sin, you've committed them all. Okay? So I'm standing before a just judge that cannot look upon sin without punishment, guilty. And see, if you look in Revelations uh, 12, verse 10, it says that the devil, the devil is every single day and night accusing the brethren of their sins they committed. And guess what? He's right. I have sinned. I can't say that I've not done what he is accusing me of. But you know what? I'm going to stand there. I'm not going to be able to say a word because I know I'm guilty. But guess what I have that the people in in, in Jerusalem didn't have? See, I've got a comforter. I've got an advocate. And see, I'm going to stand there and then guess who my advocate is? Jesus Christ. Guess what he did? He fulfilled the law. So he can go there and he can say, Your Honor, this one's mine. He's covered by the blood. He's taken my sacrifice. He is my child. Your Honor, his debt is paid. And guess what God is going to say? He's going to say, oh, good, not guilty. It's okay to clap because you're not guilty if you know Jesus. See, Jesus is my advocate. That, that is the power of the comforter over the law. If that don't comfort you, your comforter is broken. Amen. That ought to comfort you more than anything else in this world is to know that once you accept Christ, no matter, you are not guilty. See, where are you looking for your comfort? If it's in this hell-bound and blind world, you will not find it. See, verse 17, this is what verse 17 said. It said, uh, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. See, the world, it don't know Jesus. So how can you look for the world for comfort? Because we know that the only comfort that we have is with Jesus. But when you look for comfort at the foot of the cross, the Holy Spirit will lead you to an empty grave. And you can take comfort in the fact that the, you can take comfort in the truth that Jesus is alive. Jesus is true. And he's coming back for me and you. Is he coming back for you? Now, do you have that comfort? Now, see, we're going into, we're going into uh, invitation. And I read something uh, very interesting about invitations. See, the first invitation recorded, uh, the pastor, I forget his name, so I'm not going to say it. The pastor, all he'd do was guilt trip you in to becoming saved. 
He'd say, who wants to disobey God? And everyone would be like, oh, not me. Who wants to obey God? Okay, then come down and get saved. See, that's not an invitation. Okay? I believe that our invitations have grown cold. An invitation is not just for a lost person. See, yes, a lost person should be invited to Jesus. But see, here's the thing. This is what I read. In today's society, if we get invited to a game, just just invited, but you got to pay for the tickets. And they're very expensive. Okay? What are you going to do? You'll be like, oh, man. If you're me, you're going to say, All right, no. But you're going you're gonna to be like, I don't know. I don't know. Thanks for the invitation, though. Right? Okay. But imagine if you got free tickets to go see UT. Wherever you wanted to see, sit. As a matter of fact, you got to go with the team, and you got to snap, take a snap. And th- Who would go? Thank you, Brother Travis. See, what if you got invited and you had to pay to go see a movie? Uh, I don't know. Let me think about it. But what if you got free tickets? Absolutely. When we're going. You're buying dinner too? See, look. Every single time this altar is opened, you are getting invited. You are getting invited to a place. Listen. You're getting invited to a backstage pass of glory. And guess what? It's free. What? Oh, nothing's free. The debt has been paid by Jesus of his shedding of his blood on the cross. You're getting invited to partake and become a a child of God. But, uh, whatever. Why? See, I said no for a long time. And I find myself as a Christian, uh, just like Brother Steve said, going to the, uh, not going to the altar and laying down my burdens because I'm just like, ah, it's just an invitation. I'll get it next, I'll get it next time. There may not be a next time. So what I'm doing right now is I'm inviting you to become my brother or sister. I'm inviting you. If the Spirit right now is speaking to your heart, He is urging you to Jesus. You know what that means? He's urging you to salvation. If you do not know Him, that's, that is the first step in, in living in God's will is to become saved. So I'm inviting you to do so. And if you're here tonight and you are saved, but you're looking for your comfort in somewhere else, why don't you come and look for comfort here? Because see, here, here's where you can find comfort. See, this is where, this is where I got this is why I came down to get saved. Brother Jared, this is where I came down to, to surrender to my call to preach. Right over there. This is a special place. And you can freely come because the debt's been paid. Amen. 